Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Gotta love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected, and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, Shalloners. Let's get relaxed. Let's breathe in through our nose, and out through our mouth. Drop those shoulders. Forget about whatever douchebag is on your mind. But now that I said it, it's probably on your mind even more. One more inhale. (sighs) Yeah, girl, that's the goods. All right. So today we're going to start with a question from Lauren. She said, for almost two years, I've had strong chemistry with my boss, but we kept it mostly professional. A month ago, he left the company, and two weeks later, we hooked up, excuse me, We hooked up, and again, last week. He's a little bit older, a dad, writing a book, and told me that he and his girlfriend are in the midst of a breakup. I don't know much about his relationship, but I'm 29, and I do know a creep or a fuckboy when I see it. And he's neither. There's always been a mutual respect. I think we're both hesitant to cross each other's boundaries. Him being my old boss plays a part in my hesitations, and he has his situations too. Now, it's all consuming in my mind. If it's his move right now, is it? I don't know. Help. So, hmm, the sad truth is, a man can fall into more than two categories, fuckboy or creep. They can be a lot of different types of awful. Many different types. There's not only two types of viruses, AIDS and corona. No, 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 no. There's norovirus. There's HPV. There's a billion. And men are like viruses. They adapt, they modify, and they feed off their host until it's destroyed. Guys can be what I call, and have always called, a nice guy fuckboy. Ooh, the good guy fuckboy. It's a guy who really is a good guy. I mean, he's not evil, he's not a sociopath, whatever. But he's not a good guy for you. The red flag here is his alleged ongoing breakup. In the midst of a breakup. With a girlfriend. Not a wife. A girlfriend. Who he could dump via text messages if he wanted to. I've been dumped like that many times. It's remarkably easy. He's not doing that because he doesn't want to. And you have to walk in the light of the truth of that girl. You're sleeping with someone who has a girlfriend. You were the side chick. And no, no one wants to hear that. I don't like saying it. But I'm sure you want to live it even less. Because you deserve so much more, right? If he truly had respect for you, he would have flushed that girlfriend before you guys even kissed. Look, it's my job to see things from a neutral perspective. And from my point of view, this guy is the oldest story in the book. He's a dick who likes having two girlfriends. You know him. You look up to him. You respect him. Look, there is certainly the issue of the power differential between you two. Do not ever forget that. He, of course, he's attracted to you. But there is an element of predation. He was preying on you. You were his subordinate. That is not appropriate. And okay, he kept it mostly professional. Don't think I didn't hear that qualifier word, mostly professional until he left. Who knows what that is? But it affected your career. And I know you're like, hey, can you not add on another layer of bullshit to this already very complicated situation? But I'm gonna, because what we do here is tell the truth. Like he was affecting your career 
hopefully for the better, but maybe not. Do you think that in your office for two years, nobody noticed the tension between you guys? I don't think so. They noticed it and they resented you for it. If you achieve something, if you got a promotion, they're like, Ugh, look at Laura hand jobbing her way to the top. That's the word that was probably going around about you. And that's not fair because your achievements belong to you. You are smart. You have worked hard. And they're not on the back or the dick of any other dude who handed it to you out of nowhere. So look, you know him, all of this stuff. So you're like stable in a way to him. But there's also this zippy thrill of the novelty of the whole thing, you know, because it's all this buildup and all this tension. And all the while... There's this poor, ignorant girlfriend waiting at home and she's got no idea any of this is going on. And she's not going to have any idea about it because he's not going to break up with her girl. He's not. If he was, it would already be done and he wouldn't involve you in the drama whatsoever. He would never ever want to position himself in your eyes as a guy who has a girlfriend. He would come correct, squeaky clean, no drama, no baggage. We can't forget what men are hardwired to do. Mate, provide, protect. Men, if they are worth their salt at all, present themselves as absolutely bulletproof. They're not weak. They're not sickly. They're not afraid. They're not low earning. They're not low achieving. They are getting it done and they've got it together because they want to present themselves as the most mateable option to a mateable woman. And what woman wants to mate with someone who's mating with someone else? We get so confused. Oh, the modern mor woman, the modern dating mores. Nah, girl, go back to the animal kingdom. Go back to third grade bio, right? Penguins don't do it like this. Lions don't do it like this. Ducks and geese don't do it like this. Geese put up with very little shit, I will tell you. Why do we, the most advanced animal on the planet, make excuses for men who, quite honestly don't even care enough to make excuses for themselves. So he's giving you information about his ongoing breakup on purpose. That's not an accident. Because if not, if something isn't going to make him seem mateable and perfect, it serves another purpose. And that is escape from consequences, right? He's trying to put the writing on the wall subtly, but to keep you on the hook so that when you make demands on him, hey, where is this going? What's going on? Why are you still talking to her? He can just default to his story. It's complicated. Babe, I told you I'm trying. It's complicated. No, it's not, Laura. It's not complicated. I understand you have a history for him, but to me, that makes this more insulting. He should have had enough respect to you, like I said, to come correct. If this was like Jim and Pam, you know, we romanticize that god-awful office situation. But like, would you expect... This, if, the, if there was a writer's room writing this, would you find this plot line acceptable? No. You would find it stupid and irritating to watch on TV. So why isn't it stupid and irritating in our own lives, right? We have to have a higher standard for ourselves than we do for Netflix. So I would take a big step back from this. I would tell him that you don't want to see him or talk to him until he is 100% completely single. And look, Maybe that's going to have a bearing. Maybe it's not going to make a dent, but you need to stand up for yourself. You don't want to be someone's emotional parole officer. You don't only want to be with someone because they're under duress and you've given them an ultimatum. But standing up for yourself is not an ultimatum. It's like, hey, this is my standard. I don't, I don't dial it down. And I'm not being crazy and unreasonable to say you can't sleep with me if you have a girlfriend. You're not like, if you don't buy me a Lambo, it's over. If your demands 
are very reasonable and under the purview of a committed respectful relationship, it does not count as an ultimatum. If you hear nothing else from this part of the podcast, take that. If what you're asking for is reasonable and respectful and you would say that your friend is being reasonable and respectful, if they were asking a dude for it, then it is therefore not an ultimatum. It is your standards. It is your boundaries. It is your future and your life and your heart and you stick to it. This next question is from Monica. So her title was, please tell me what I'm doing wrong. She said, I'm 28 and I've been out of the dating game for five years after a toxic relationship that I was recovering from. So I went on a dating app and I met this great guy. We hit it off and by the third date, he started calling me babe, taking me around his family, called me all the time. After a month of dating, I asked the what are we question and he gave me this long rambling reason why we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend. I tried to go with it, but ended it because I knew he was going to hurt me. Why did he treat me like a girlfriend but with no title. Was this my fault? What can I learn from this? Oh, I love it. God, I love you guys. You're so smart because you're like, what can I learn? How can I be better? Sometimes you're like, how can I commit a murder and get away with it? I've got answers to both, ladies. So look, I see this so often, like you have no idea. People like this guy, they're love bombers. They come on strong like a firework. But how long does a firework last? We talked about this before. We want someone who's like a fireplace. It takes a little while to warm up, but once it does, it's long and sustainable and truly keeps you warm. Not like a firework blast that's going to go off in your face and blind you and leave you scarred, right? It's messed up because after a long time off the dating scene or shit, even if you've been dating a lot, when you find someone you click with, having them seem so committed can come off as like very reassuring, you know? Oh, they've got all this skin in the game. Why would he introduce me to his family if he didn't like me? Well, maybe he just doesn't have very much respect for his family or your feelings, or women in general. We're all just characters in his play, to be written in or out of the scene as he decides and his absurd caprices. Can you imagine how many girls his family's met? They probably just roll their eyes and think, oh, here we go again, Jeff and another girl. People like him are like children. They're both fragile and reckless at the same time. He gives no thought to how you might interpret these gestures because he's a shallow person. So plugging into that side of you to your depth is impossible for him since he himself lacks that depth, right? It's like talking to a dog. So the lesson here is that when people come on strong that fast, because really you don't know who someone is after the third date or even the third month, as I found out after the third year. People are still very much curating who they are and what they want you to see. And so if you feel a connection, I mean, hopefully it's authentic, but it might not necessarily be a connection to the most authentic version of them. It could be a connection to their commercial, right? And we see that. We watch a commercial, like this commercial is fun. Have you seen that commercial for like some travel site and it's got like the girl by the pool and she's like, oh my God, take a picture. And she's like living her best life and she texts it to her two mommy friends in the cold. And they're like, why does she get to live this life and we're here? And like the spokesperson's like, condoms. Hilarious. This is not an ad. I just really like that commercial. But that's the thing. I'm like, fuck, and that commercial is great. I don't even know what the brand is. I don't, I don't care. You know, it's like the commercial tells me nothing about the actual product. And that not that how dating is? You can go out with a commercial and you're like, this is great. I could watch this all day. I want it longer. But that doesn't mean that that's the veracity of the product. Hopefully it is. But we know that about commercials. Hey, that's a funny commercial. Or maybe that's an annoying commercial, but the product's actually great. 
But we judge dispassionately and we divorce ourselves from linking those two ideas so that we don't get drawn in and buy every single thing we see on TV or don't buy anything we ever see advertised, right? We got to do that with people. So if it's going that fast, it's going to fade out fast. When it's right, it's easy. This is true. And sometimes we interpret that phrase, when it's right, it's easy, as when it's right, it's fast. That is not true. Now, true, everyone has their own definition of fast and slow and easy and hard, of course, but that's why we have to know our intuition because your gut is telling you something, right? Like, oh, I don't think we should be talking about babies on date five. Like, he wants to get a tattoo? We just slept together twice, you know? Like, there's something inside you that's like, and you know what? If there's not, because hey, our intuition, I was having this conversation with my friend today, like our intuition is not this siren that drowns out everything else. It is a symphony made up of many other sounds, like cacophonous and difficult to distill what your intuition is. Because sometimes what you think is intuition is fear or you know, like learned fear in your complexes. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe it's what other people are telling you. Maybe it's what society has told you or your religion or your parents. Maybe it isn't always intuition. So it's very, it is hard to distill what the true gut is. And so we have to learn to listen to it. And we can do that in small ways. You know, it's like, I don't want to walk down that street. I want this salad instead of a steak, even though everyone's getting steaks. Just tiny little things. And then when you make those tiny decisions, see if you feel better, if you feel lighter. Because if you do, then that's your intuition. And I will tell you this, your intuition speaks to you in a calm, reasonable voice. It's like Oprah's voice, Maya Angelou, otherwise black women who probably smell incredible, like a deep tone. It's not snooky. It's not just this insane shriek. That's fear. That's hesitation. That's guilt. That's shame. So we got to get good at listening to this, right? And also, look around, and if you think something's moving too fast, look at your life. Has your laundry piled up? Has your school work suffered? Have you not been to the gym in two weeks? Like, are you ignoring your family? Are you starting fights with your friends because you don't like the feedback they're giving? It's just it's me and him against the world. That is not good. You got to look around at everything and create that symphony of intuition. What are all these inputs telling you? I know it's not easy and it's not the immediacy of an iPhone or a computer that just spits out an answer. Our bodies work a little bit slower than that, right? So when you can get good at that, then you can start looking at these people from a place of strength and not desperation, right? Where we think we need a boyfriend because when you're confident and in that place of strength, red flags become deal breakers. This next question is from Bailey. I love that name. Bailey, it's so cute. So she said, hi, Shallon. My best friend is going through a really tough breakup right now. Oh, girl, I feel you. They were together for five years and she's so torn up about it, like obviously. She also thinks she'll never find love again because she thinks she's too ugly and fat for anyone to like her. I keep trying to tell her that she's beautiful and amazing, but I know it's easier to say that than believe it yourself. I just hate seeing her so upset. How can I help her build her self-esteem, heal from this breakup, and feel better in general? Oh, my God. Well, are you not the friend of the year? Like somebody get you the congressional medal of honor like you are such a good friend it really is a testament to your character that you care so much about your friend and getting her back on track that like you'd pay to submit a question to me that's really commendable and she's lucky to have you but 
this might be because you see shades of yourself in her you know like don't we all like don't we all identify with this nihilistic attitude that we have after a breakup no one's gonna love me that was my only chance let me tell you something let me tell you something I know a lot of older people like my mom's age who never married who never had kids and I asked them like how come you never got married like you know we're friends I don't I don't say it's like small talk I'm like really tell me and they're like I didn't want to they didn't want to not one of them was like I tried and I tried and I tried and no one liked me like if you say that if you float that as an idea to older people they're like what no it's like if you floated the idea uh you know I just kept trying to find jobs and I you know I never did so I just never worked and lived in my mom's basement you'd be like okay well that's bullshit like clearly you no that's clearly bullshit but all right and it's the same with love like it's never your last chance and Bailey I don't know how old you are how your friends are but I'm gonna guess not like in your 80s you're probably in like your 20s that tells me you probably have some time. Like there's just no way you're retiring from the sexual arena now. You're just not. But I know the feeling. I know it. And if you don't know that feeling yet, dude, buckle up. It's coming. But you're right. Telling her that she's awesome isn't going to make that much of a dent. She has to feel it from the inside out and be that warm-blooded animal. You know, because this is not an issue of this boy. He's just a symptom and a manifestation of her self-esteem issues. So people with high self-esteem do what I call esteemable things. They do esteemable things. They give back to others. They set small goals. They set large goals. And they work towards these. And that builds confidence and, you know, achievement. They maintain their health. They have a workout routine. They keep their friendships. They fix past traumas and therapies. They have control over their life as much as they possibly can. They don't live as a passenger in their own life, right? And they do things they're passionate about. So if you want to fix her self-esteem and help her get over this guy, don't focus on boys at all, really. Because she could go out and meet a dude tomorrow. That's not going to fix the problem. That's just monkey vining from one problem to the next and just what I call wallpapering over things. Wallpaper is almost fucking impossible to get off, evidently. And so people just, they don't even try. They just like put new shit right on over it. And they're like, well, I don't know. Let's hope for the best. But it comes out lumpy and bumpy. And you know something is under there and it just isn't as ever good as it could be if you scraped the old shit off and got down to a clean place. Our hearts are like that too, right? Get her involved in some new activities, brand new fresh hobbies that are going to challenge her, give her a sense of accomplishment because when she feels good about who she is as a human being, she's not going to focus so much on her outward appearance or if she does, she's going to feel more empowered to change it in a healthy way and not like a punishing way. Because at the end of the day, she has to do this work herself. You cannot be her endless cheerleader. That's the epitome of a cold-blooded animal where she just has to constantly feed off the outside environment to stay alive emotionally. And really, you could become the surrogate boyfriend. It's not healthy to be codependent on a man or on a friend. It puts too much pressure on a relationship that is supposed to be, yes, of course, like supportive and they're there for you and they are your cheerleader, but not at the cold-blooded animal point where if you got busy or you guys had a fight she was in a goddamn tailspin and could not be by herself and also having to play that role is going to make you feel really drained and exhausted I want to be around people who love their life because they're going to make me better by extension and you deserve to have a friend like that too so sit her down and say okay look we're going to start changing our lives from the inside out let's set a two-month a six-month and an eight-month plan for where we want to be and let's get it going baby so this question is from Aurelia. 
She titled this, How to Hook Up and Hang Out with a Rapper. She said, Shallon, I'm willing to change my entire lifestyle on this. My life is getting really boring. Rappers usually meet fans for free after shows, but I worried... I worry that this rapper won't pay attention to me since there's going to be a lot of other girls. So how do groupies do it? Please look them up and let me know what you think about them. She said, I want to mean potentially be good friends. Girl, oh, good friend. Okay. With a rap duo in New Orleans. The Suicide Boys. Look them up. Okay, I'm not looking them up. Uh, Suicide Boys is a stupid name. Oh, was herpesboys.com already taken? No. I've watched your previous videos on how to be confident and approach or message a celebrity, but these guys aren't superstars. They just rap and go on tour every year and have a fair amount of fame. So how do I approach one of them in particular? I was even thinking of living in New Orleans and trying to figure out where they hang out with and, you know, somebody who could maybe introduce me to them. Even if just for one night hookup, honestly, I just want to meet this guy and hang out with their group. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. The issue here is not how to meet a rapper. Because their standards, Aurelia, are not high. They are not high at all. They view women as possessions and sexual fidget spinners to be used in a single serving capacity and tossed to the side. The issue is, why do you think that's all you deserve out of your life? What in the hell about that dynamic is attractive? I've been a groupie. I have. I've dated a lot of famous dudes. And when I say rappers are like this, it ain't just rappers. I've, well, I have dated some rappers, but like, Emo dudes are like this. Country music dudes are like this. I'm sure jazz pianists are like this. That fucker Yo-Yo Ma is probably like this. He seems fine. But, you know, they're just like this. And if you think these famous dudes look at you as anything more than a prostitute they don't have to pay, you are in for a rude awakening. And to be treated like that is insulting and it truly erodes your sense of self. And that can last for a lifetime. Once you like fall off that rung of self-esteem and you start to, to normalize that behavior, I mean, it, there is no bottom to that. There's no bottom. You're going to let people do whatever. You're going to let them run a train on you. You're going to let them impregnate you and dip out. Like it is there. Where do you think shit like this starts? You know? So I think you're using this groupie goal as sort of an emotional getaway car. There's some sort of stagnancy in your life. As you said yourself, you're bored. And trust me though, a boy is not the way to solve boredom. It's trying to set some intellectual or creative or career goal for yourself. That's what's going to help because that's such a better use of your mind and your problem solving skills than sorting out how to move to a strange city away from everything and everyone you know to see how you can convince a D-list dopey rapper to allow you to suck his dick. Do you really think that's all your mind can be used for? Oh, your body can be used for it. Girl, join the military. You will use your mind and your body in a way that has nothing to do with suicide boys. So the most dangerous thing we as women can do is define ourselves by a man's attention. When we do that, we absolutely negate our intellect, our heart, our talents, our experience, our wisdom. We reduce ourselves down to a body. Well, a vagina. Actually, not even a whole body. Just an orifice. Is that how you view your mother? Your sister? Your best friend? Me? Of course not. You see them, and me hopefully, as multidimensional, fantastic, complex, worthy creatures because they are. So why reduce yourself in that way? It's time to start dreaming bigger. It's time to start looking around at what's actually going on in your life that's causing you these pain points and this stagnation and go to the root of that and fix it. You are bigger and you are better and you are worth it. 
Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage. Stay savage.